Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's podcast. This week, we have a guy named Chris Eli Black, who is a playwright, composer, lyricist, and currently working on or halfway through completing a brand new musical called Liberty Bleeding, which is also very appropriate for the time we are currently living in. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Chris. Thank you. So we always like to start with, because uh, it's interesting how people get into theater, how did you get into theater? And did you know you wanted to be a playwright, composer, lyricist, or did you think you were going a different way in this world? Um, I thought I was going a completely different way. Uh, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't one of those kids who were like, yeah, I was in community theater at age seven, and, and I went to go see plays every month. I wasn't that kid. I, I went to the theater... I can remember one time when I was maybe six or seven um, to go see a show on a field trip. And, and that was it. I had, I had no idea that theater was a thing that anyone could actually do. Um, and if I did think it, or if I did know it, I, I didn't think it was a, an intelligent move to make. Um, <laughs> and I knew people who liked theater and stuff. I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, but I didn't think that you could do it outside of school. I thought right, it you're was like, a, that's a great hobby, but that's not going to be. Yeah, I was like, anywhere. that's a fun thing to do. I'm glad you're having fun now, but like, when are you going to grow up? <laughs> um, but at the same time, I always knew I wanted to be in the arts. Uh, I, I fell in love with film and animation at a really early age. Um, for a lot of my life, I wanted to be the next Walt Disney um, uh. until I found out that I was not going to be the next Walt Disney. Um <laughs> And, and then I just kind of fell in love with storytelling and fell in love with how you can tell different stories in so many different ways. And there's no one way to tell any given story and how you can just focus on human connection and focus on um, just a, people's lives and tell their stories in your own unique way and in your own, own unique voice. And so I was like, OK, I'm going to write movies. That's what I'm going to do. Um, and then what I found out was that movies cost a lot of money. Yes. Um, yeah. So I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do that. And when I was in high school, I got my SAT scores back and I was like, I'm not getting into NYU. So <laughs> it's, 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 I'm not getting into USC either. I'm not getting into UCLA or anything like that. So, so I don't know how I'm going to do that. And then when I was a senior in high school, um, I just happened to participate in a a little program that was hosted by the theater department. And as soon as I stepped on stage, I fell in love um, instantly. And the next week I auditioned for the, I was a junior in high school. The next week I auditioned for the theater troupe um, for my senior year. I got in, everyone who auditioned got in because not that many people wanted to be in the theater <laughs> club. Um, so I auditioned, I did a monologue from a movie because I was such a theater clueless guy and then yeah after that point I was just I was in it was my it was my my new addiction and I decided you know I think I can write for the stage and the stage does something that film can't which is it's literally in your face 
or at least it used to be. Um, yeah, <laughs> the last couple of months don't count. We're going to ignore yeah. this. <laughs> um, it's the most intimate art form, uh, and it's it's been around longer than any other art form. I mean, theater goes way, way, way back. Performance goes way, way, way back. And it, it's strange to me that in film and everything, there's always advancements and there's always changes and there's always trends. But with theater, it's like, Phantom is still open. Like things that you expect to die out, it doesn't in theater. Theater just kind of keeps thriving in its own way. And every 10 years or so, you'll have a, a change in the game, a game changing show or something. But for the most part, it stays consistent. The ticket buyers stay consistent. And so, yeah, that's that's my lane now. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, how many people have seen Phantom of the Opera and then seen it over and over again? Right, exactly. Yeah, that's excellent. Nice. So, yeah, we Cindy and I didn't get into theater until... High school. Until high school. But was it freshman year or sophomore year? I think it was freshman year, like the second half of freshman year, and we hated it, and then we didn't really do it until sophomore year. Yeah, but then we stuck with it. Uh, yeah. You said something that I was going to comment on about... Oh, now you seem to know the history of theater that doesn't wait that doesn't make sense in my head it makes sense um, <laughs> about how you you knew nothing about theater when you started you know and that you you did a monologue from a show or from a movie uh did you then want to learn the history of theater like was that ever a knowledgeable thing or was it just you just wanted to be on stage and wanted to start writing for well, that's kind of the thing about me. You know, whenever I get interested in something, I do research and I'm like, okay, who are the best people in this field? Mm. Who can I, who can I look at? Who can I study? Um, who can I, who can I take as influence? What is the history? What are the different styles that have been presented? What, what has been done and what hasn't been done? Um, and that's what, with whatever I'm interested in. I know, um, I used to like design theme parks when I was five years old. That's what I would do on my summer vacation because I was a cool kid. Um, <laughs> I would I would stay in my room and I would design theme park resorts because um, I had no knowledge about money. And I thought you could afford anything if you wanted it. So I know like too much about theme park history. Um, I know too much about the history of animation. Um, I know too much about film history. And, and now I know too much about theater history. So anytime I, I'm interested in pursuing something, I want to be sure that no one can um, say that I don't at least know, you know, where I'm coming from. I can say, okay, this, you know, I want this to kind of be like this Mammoth play or this August Wilson play or this Sondheim moment or this, you know, Richard Rogers moment. Um, and it, it's funny because, you know, when I kind of fell in love with it at the, in high school, I went to a high school, again, that wasn't big on the arts. We had the programs and I was in a, in a media academy within the school, but it wasn't an artsy school. It was kind of your typical high school where it was athletics were kind yeah. of the big thing. Um, I was not an athlete, um, <laughs> and that was a choice. That's a choice. Um, I was not an athlete by choice. Um, and so, yeah, it wasn't like a big theater following. We probably had 20 people total come to our shows. Um, and those were all from one family. 
Yeah, um, mom and dad and aunt and uncle. Mom, dad, random cousins come in. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I'd be walking down the hallway with my earphones in and everybody else walking down the hallway with their headphones on would be listening to whatever rap song or, or pop music that was hot at the moment. And I'd be listening to like Miss Saigon, but I'd like make it, but I'd make it seem like I wasn't listening. Like I'd be bobbing my head. Like I was listening to Kendrick or something, but, I was, <laughs> but it was all lame is it was all lame is. Oh, hell yeah. That's a first and only show. Uh, my husband's seen so far on Broadway was lame is cause it's amazing. My brother knows all the words to it. My husband knows half the words now. Yeah. <laughs> Who you said you you do research to try to find people that you can not emulate but that you can look up to. Who are some of the the playwrights that stick out for you? Who are some that you think are? I mean, oh, there's a lot of them that are amazing, but who are the ones that you really look up to? I mean, you know, again, August Wilson is someone who you know I saw the movie Fences before I even knew it was mm. a play okay. um, with Denzel, and then I went and looked it up and I found a, a little play and. I mean, the dialogue in that show and this August Wilson's dialogue period, I'm a big actor's writer. I love dialogue and I love moments where it's just these long, not even monologues, but just moments of speech and text where someone is just pouring their everything out. And he has so many of those moments, those juicy moments for actors. And, you know, that brings me to people like David Mamet um, and, of course, Shakespeare, because you can't. You can't like theater without giving credit to Shakespeare. Um, <laughs> I, I found out that he invented the word swag, like swagger was a was a Shakespeare thing he came up with. I was like, okay, Shakespeare, I see you. <laughs> he invented um, a lot of words and phrases. He invented a lot of words. I had to take a quiz about it in school. I was like, <laughs> I was like, so why do we learn anything else? Because he came up with like half the language. Um, Can you imagine yeah. having that much power? Or that much influence, you know, where you're just like, oh, I'm a playwright. I write shows for, you know, these people. And then, you know, 200 years later, this is just like common language that these people, that everybody uses now. That's just insane to think about. Right. And I want to know the people who like went to go see his shows back in the day. Did they ask questions like, what, what does that mean? What does that word mean? From. Like what is he yeah, a swagger? What like <laughs> or really just like all right, whatever. That's 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 William. That's what he does. Yeah. Um, just <laughs> nod your head. Um, but yeah, so people like that. Uh, I'm gonna mispronounce his name, but Stephen Adley Gurgis, I want to say is his name. Um, he wrote uh, plays uh, such as uh, Jesus Hop the A Train and mm -hmm. and really like downtown plays. He won the Pulitzer oh, yes. a few years back. Yes. Um, for Between Riverside and Crazy. And he just writes stories about the people who aren't typically theater subjects, you know, addicts and, and, and people, you know, underprivileged people. And those are kind of the people I like writing about as well. So just anyone who has their own unique voice really is who I, I look for. But, uh, I've heard of Between Riverside and Crazy, but I, I don't know much about that one. So I'm going to look that one up. He's in New York, so his stuff, well, he was in New York. I met him a number of years ago, so um, it's, a lot of his stuff is done in the downtown New York scene. I don't know yeah. how much other places, but yeah, no, he, he, he definitely has a very distinctive voice and a very distinctive way of writing, which yeah. is very, very fun to watch, and it 
definitely the one that I saw definitely kind of makes you think and question a lot of things. And even if it's like, I don't really understand what's going on, it's still making you like contemplate what is actually going on. You know, it's, it, you're not really a passive bystander in his shows. Right. Yeah, no, he's got quite a bit. I mean, I'm just looking at the pictures of the set now for <laughs> Between Riverside and Crazy. Okay, uh, back to... <laughs> <laughs> Yay, Google, I can find anything in seconds. <laughs> the set looks super cool. Okay. Uh, to, you've learned theater existed and you could do it when you went. Uh, I'm sorry, I Google searched you too. You went to college. Did you go to college for theater? Or at that point, was it still just a cool, fun hobby and you weren't sure what you no. were doing in college? I mean, I didn't go to college for theater for the reasons that I feel like a lot of theater artists don't go to college for theater um, because, well, I'm not gonna say what a lot of people do. For my reason was I just, I knew that if I wanted to write anything um, and if I wanted to write what isn't typically written in theater, I couldn't only focus on theater because then Smart. I'd be in a box. I'd be in a box. So I major in liberal studies, which halfway means I'm indecisive. Um, and halfway means I'm able to focus on every single concentration. Um, so I've been able to take a bunch of history classes. I've been able to take a bunch of psychology classes and, and family studies classes, um, and sociology classes. And so I've been able to um, learn more that I can write about than if I was just studying, you know, theater. But, the history of theater, which is something I can learn in seconds on Google um, and not pay a hundred thousand dollars for. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking at that and, and I'm able to just kind of jump around and look at different things. I took a dance class, um, nice. which was, I got a, what I get in there? I got a C in the dance class. <laughs> um, only because I didn't write the final paper, the final paper you had to go and pay to see a dance show and like show the ticket stub and write an essay about it. And I was like, I'm not paying $50 to go see a dance show. Um, so I'm just going to take this L and I, I still passed the class, but now it's like, like, I feel like people look at my transcript and like, you did good in, in psychology, but you flop dance. One oh one. So yeah. Uh, I don't think I always hated that. I was thinking about that the other day. Every theater class I took in college and maybe in grad school, you know, everyone's like, go watch a show, go observe a show. And I was like, number one, I don't have a car in either college or grad school, and I don't have a lot of money. So how am I supposed to get to these locations? And how am I supposed to pay for tickets? Like, these are double whammies for me, you know? They yeah. find a friend that could drive, but even, you know, there was no Uber or anything back then. So I'm like, how am I supposed to go observe a show? They're like, oh, you could watch shows at school. And I'm like, I'm in every single one at school. <laughs> right. I'm supposed yeah. to go watch these shows. So I probably would have done the same thing. I would have been like, no, nah, I'll still pass the class. But yeah, exactly. Forget that. Well, you were probably working the dance show, so it might have worked. But you wouldn't have had a ticket. Right. And I wouldn't have seen it from the front. So I wouldn't have been able to, like, give a good feedback of it. <laughs> uh, school. Yay. <laughs> So you finished school and now, like most of us, now what? Now now what do you do with this degree and this knowledge and you're wanting to write things? 
did you jump right into writing things or? Well, the thing is, I've I've always written things, and what I've realized looking back, one thing I hope if any writers listen to this is don't delete the things you write at the beginning. Like, don't delete as you as you go, um, because I look back at things I thought were absolute masterpieces and they're complete shit. Like I, I just I I look back and see how the best education. Um, especially, I can only speak for a few fields, but the best education is just by doing it and, and failing and just keep doing it. And you, you're going to keep getting better the more you do it and the more you study it and the more you work the craft and the more you look at how other people do it and, and say, okay, how can I do that? But in my voice and in my style and how I want to do it. So I've always written, but what I found is that at the beginning, especially, I, w- I wanted to use someone else's voice. I was like, oh, this is the stuff that works. So let me try to emulate this any way I can. And it didn't work. I just, it couldn't, I couldn't finish anything um, because I just, I wasn't connected to it. I had no relationship to the dialogue of the story. I was trying to be who I had studied and, and who I knew had found success. And I was like, well, they found success using that voice. Let me try it. Um, but it just kind of left me at a dead end. And so I slowly was, have been able to develop my own unique voice and, and really say, okay, these are the stories I want to tell. This is how I want to tell them. And so as a writer, all I've really been doing is, is writing as much as I can and continuing to grow, um, and, and writing anything that I can just to, get out there and and practice like I just wrote an article that was in a law journal I have no interest in the law really um but that experience I can take and and dealing with with that editor who was someone who was like okay look at this look at this maybe this is like this I can say okay so when I go into the next play or the next script um I can even use that advice and be like, okay, maybe this sentence or this line of dialogue can be structured this way. So it's always just a learning experience. When you said that you, it took you a while to learn your own voice or that you were emulating somebody else, were you doing that as far as like characters or setting or the story or all of the above? Um, it wasn't so much the setting or the story. It was mostly just the way the characters spoke. It was the dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm a big Aaron Sorkin guy. And so I was like, well, Aaron Sorkin's dialogue is cool. Let me try to put mm. my idea of Aaron Sorkin's voice, which I can't do because I'm not him, into these characters. And it just didn't make sense. It didn't work um, because it was obvious that I wasn't writing in a way that I had any real connection to. It came off phony. It didn't come off like I had actually taken the time to develop these characters' unique voices. I was like, "This, I think this sounds cool. Um, and so, yeah, so it was just kind of a process of being like, how do I talk? How do the people I know talk? How do my peers talk? How do my friends talk? How do my coworkers talk? Um, and being like, if these characters are based on those people, mm-hmm. they're going to talk like those people. You know, it's not going to be a guy who's been working for the post office for 50 years who walks into work complaining and he he's talking a mile a minute um using 
words that even Yale graduates don't use. Right. So it was so it was just all about just finding, unlocking that kind of um, uniqueness and not being afraid to use it and not thinking about, oh, will people understand it or appreciate it? It's just kind of like, I'm going to write it how I want to write it because no one can tell your story but you in the way that you want to tell it. So I'm going to do it how I want it. If you understand it, great. If you don't, oops. Um, you know, at the end of the day, not everyone's going to like what you do anyway. Um, even if so you do true. it perfectly based on the example of someone else, someone's still going to insult it and give you a bad critique and be like, I didn't like it. I didn't understand it. You can't please everybody. So the least you can do is please yourself um, and like what you and like what you do. And so that's what I whenever I sit down to write something or work on something, I'm like, I got to fall in love with it first. If I don't love it, it's, it's going to be a bad marriage because <laughs> <laughs> some of these things take a long time to write and a long time to develop and, and work within the process. And if you don't like it and if you're miserable the whole time, you got to take it out on the work. And I'm really not trying to get into a domestic dispute with, <laughs> with yourself, <laughs> with my, with myself and with my own mind. I'm not going to. I'm not gonna have that fight. I don't. I I didn't sign the prenup, so I don't. I don't know. So yeah, <laughs> it might turn out very poorly. You, you, uh, to go back for a sec, you said you know that people will make comments. I don't like it. I don't get it. And I feel like that's such a thing that people use the excuse for. It's like just because you don't get it doesn't mean that you don't like it. It just means that you don't want to be uncomfortable. <laughs> you just like don't want right. to. Like, yeah, those are two different things to me. But so, what are your how long is the process when you write a show? We were talking to another playwright like two years ago, and I forget exactly what he said, but for him it was short and putting it on paper, but then he would spend years editing it and getting sing or getting uh, actors to to talk through the lines and to hear it live and then you know redo it. So what is your process like? Well, it's kind of the same thing. I'm a pretty fast writer when I know the story. Um, because I'm not someone who the story comes in pieces. Um, usually when I sit down to write something, it kind of has all fallen on me and I'm like, okay, I know how this is going to go. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, I'd say I'm a pretty fast writer, but then on the flip side of that, if I don't really understand it, then it's going to take a little bit longer. Um, I, I've been writing a screenplay for probably about a month now and I'm on page 115 and I still don't see an end in sight yet so so that's one of those things that's got to take longer not only to finish writing but also saying okay what can I get rid of what isn't working what you know and, and just giving it to other people and but even with the things that don't take long to write it's gonna has to go through revising and and editing and it's completely different when you hear it actually come out of someone's mouth um, mm -hmm. because I, you know, I don't have every single actor in my head that I'm going to work with. And I don't know how they're going to say every line or change it up in any way. Um, I'm kind of just working with my own, again, my own voice at the moment. And so when I do give it to an actor and, and they speak a line and it doesn't sound quite right coming out of their mouth, 
um, then I'd be like, okay, I got to go back and write it. And luckily I also have people in my life who I can share it with and they'll be like, okay, this part is good, but this makes no sense. And I can tell you only wrote this because you thought it sounded funny, um, but it has absolutely nothing to do with the rest of the story. So, <laughs> so maybe you should take that out. And, and so even if I spend only a day writing something and finish it, I know it's going to be some time after that, um, going back and revisiting it multiple times. Do you have actors that you work with regularly that you think about when you write some of these roles? Um, you know, what I'm trying to do at the moment is, is build that kind of company or build that kind of family of actors that I can go to. But it's also sometimes you, you go to a theater and, and they take your work and, and they, they do it. They, you know, you're the writer, you did the blueprint. And that's kind of the end of your job. You don't really have a say in who else is brought in. They might show you a picture and say, we think she'd be right for it. Or he'd be right for it. You say, I guess. I mean, they're attractive. Um, and <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Nice headshot. I guess they'll be okay. Um, <laughs> they're the right age. Let's go. And you just kind of hope for the best. And sometimes that works out. And sometimes it does not. Um and and so, yeah, but it is actors that if I know I'm kind of the one that's going to be in control of it or kind of the one um, I'm able to kind of hover over it, it is actors are right for. Um, it's, you know, a short film I wrote, just we just kind of put it out to the public um, today. And that was very much written for the people in it um, because I kind of knew their voices. I had gone to high school um with some of them and so i was like okay yeah this guy is gonna play him because he's just in my head and is really easy i know his voice i know his sweet spots so i know what he'll do the best at um so it's really give or take depending on the project i know an opera they used to i don't know if it happens as much anymore but you know rossini definitely had like his tenor and his soprano that he wrote for you know and these are the notes taken hit, and so this is what they would sing. So I totally see it that way. Do you produ produce, I don't know if produce is the right word, do you produce a lot of your own shows, or is it half and half of like a theater picking it up, or are you doing it yourself? I say for the theater, um, I don't produce much with the theater work. That's kind of like if a theater wants it, if they say yes, then just go do what you want with it. Um, and at the same time, I, I, I don't want to be that guy who's always in the back, you know, like, oh, no, do it this way. Um, that was going to be my like, next question. <laughs> yeah, I feel like theater and, and really any art is, is all an act of translation. And you can't get in the way of how someone else perceives it. Um, I love mm -hmm. seeing the same piece done in two completely different ways because the director and the actors and the company uh hit on on you know two you know one line might affect that one side and then another line might hit true to the other and so mm -hmm. they really key in on those moments um on those individual moments so i i have no uh interest in being the big brother to all the productions um especially if there's more than one going on at the same time i'm kind of like and they'll ask, you know, they're polite. They're like, do you want to sit in and give notes? And I'm like, no, um, I want to see what you can do with it. That's not saying 
I completely trust you with it. I don't know you. I can only say what you're going to do with it. Um, but I'm not going to get in your way. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to direct it for you. Um, mostly because if it fails, I'm not going to be the one to blame. Um, <laughs> so you're like, it wasn't my writing. It was the direction. that. I was like, that was totally the direction. I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> but no, um, in all seriousness, it's just kind of, I like to see how other people do it. Um, and I, I like to see the different visions of it. Um, when it's more of the film or visual projects, I'm more on hand with it because that literally is a vision. Um, but even with that, most of the time they're put in hands of, of people I know well and trust. So they kind of understand my way of thinking anyway. How do people contact you to, to read your stuff, to see if they want to put it on? How, how do you put your stuff out there? Well, that's kind of the thing. I am the judge and the jury at this point. I spend time on Google and I say, okay, well, who's taking this stuff and who's looking for shows like the ones I got? Um, and I scour the internet and I look for theaters and look for companies, no matter how big or how small. And I, and I bother them. And I say, hey, um, I heard maybe you were doing this thing or that thing. Uh, here's what I do. Bye. Hope you like it. Um, and, you know, sometimes they get back and they say, okay, let's talk about it. Or we'd love to work with you. And sometimes they say, no, thank you. Um, sometimes they don't even say thank you. They just say no. Um, <laughs> if they answer. Some, if they, and I was about to say, sometimes they don't get back to you at all. Um, but, you know, I kind of live by the mantra of if I send 100 emails a day, one one of those people are going to reply and say, let's talk about it. Um, yeah. And I feel like if you get in this business, you got to be OK with the rejection. You have to be OK with it. Um, and you have to say you have to be able to look at it, read it, say, OK, that's not going to happen on to the next one. Right, Let's, we're just not the right fit. That's all it is. is yeah, exactly. Um, and sometimes you know it's not going to be the right fit. It's kind of a desperation tactic. You find people who have never produced anything like what you do, um, but you think, well, maybe they'll like me because I'm different. Um, no, they don't. <laughs> they, <laughs> it's a reason they've stuck to that tradition of only doing these certain kind of things. That's what, that's what works with them. Um, and, and you don't really have a place with them and that's fine. Find the place you do have a place for, find a place where what you, what you've written or what you've created can grow or make your own home and build your own table and, and don't wait for people to reply to you. We live in a technological age and right now all of us don't really have a choice but to be on technology anyway. Yes. So what's stopping you from saying I'm going to do this myself and I'm going to invite people to tune in to this live stream and I'm going to put it up online or on YouTube or on Facebook. I'm going to have a zoom play. I mean, there's so many, it's nothing stopping people nowadays from creating. Um, some of the richest people are kids who have their cell phone in their face all day and they're making millions of dollars, which makes me so mad. But <laughs> it does because they do nothing and they're rich 
they just wake up and like, this is my day. This is me driving. This is me shopping. And they have millions of views. Yeah, I've never know. understood that either. I'm like, I, you are boring me right now. Yes. I don't want to watch your day. And I'm like, I have worked on this thing for two years. Then I have 50 views. Like, what is going <laughs> What What am I doing wrong? And so... And I forgot the question. <laughs> oh, right. So <laughs> the YouTubers, they make me mad. Um, so yeah, well, then it's we just bring kinda... in TikTok and it's just ridiculous. <laughs> oh, man. Don't even get me started on the TikToks. Um, so, so, <laughs> so yeah, it's just reaching out to as many people as possible and, and finding collaborators. And really what this time has brought is you don't have to be in the same state as people to work with them. I've... You know, I'm developing two shows with theaters in in New York that I would never be able to get in contact with um, before. But now that we're all in this strange kind of limbo between reality and and pandemic time, I can send an email and be like, hey, uh, I do this. Would you guys be interested in working together? And they might set up a meeting and I don't have to go to New York to sit at a table with them. I can come in my bathroom and I can sit um, my office and I can sit (laughs) (laughs) and, and get on my laptop and talk to them and they can be like, okay, yeah, we're going to work with you. And when this is all over, whenever that is, and whenever live theater becomes a thing again, you know, your show has a home. And you're making these connections and working with people that you I never would have met, um, which is strange to say, oh, man, thank goodness a virus happened. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> there's some upside but, but to there's it. Always, there's always a little bit of a bright side, um, even in insane tragedies like the ones we're living through. Um, and, and that is that you can communicate with anyone that you want and you can kind of transport wherever you want and, and just meet the most random people from the most random places so yeah and think outside of the think outside of the box a bit on like what yeah to do and who you're able to reach out to like you said you probably wouldn't have even reached out to these people i wouldn't have but now you can are is there anything that you're currently working on or that you're currently excited about that's in the works uh yeah i'm a workaholic so i have like two thousand yeah yeah two (laughs) thousand things going on at once um, I'm, I'm acting in a show that's coming up. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it. Um, cause you know, people even online, they're like, don't tell anybody until a week before. And I'm like, but they just have to like Google it, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell people but, to show up. Just like, let me. Right, but okay, cool. I won't talk about it until you put it online where you've already announced it. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm doing a few of those. Um, I have, you know, one of the plays I've written have, has kind of taken a life of its own. And so it's being performed in a festival the week of the 26th. And then at the beginning of August, a theater in London um, is having a fundraiser and is putting it on. So that's exciting. And also the week of the 26th is when, well, the week of the 26th is also when I'm acting in the play I can't talk about. Um, and then... <laughs> And then the week the of the twenty sixth is very exciting. Yeah, and then the week of the twenty sixth is also when I'm participating in um, a festival out of Houston, Texas, called the Lift Every Voice um, Festival, and I have a few poetry performances in the middle of all those. So yeah, my calendar is kind of oh, has a bunch of ink on it, a bunch of times and dates. Um, so it's a lot that I'm working on, a lot that I'm looking forward to. 
a lot of projects. You know, I'm working with two theaters in New York, like I said. Um, one on an original project that I'm developing with them. It's an all-female, all-immigrant female theater company in New York City. Um, they're all, um, or most of them are NYU grads or NYU students, and they develop a theater company um, that has kind of started. Um, and so I'm developing a show with them. Um, which what, what's I'm the name so, of that company? That sounds really cool. It's called Italia, E-T-A-L-I-A. Um, theater company um, is the most intelligent people I've ever met. And there's six badass women um, who said, we're going to do this ourselves. And they started it up and luckily they let me into the club. And so I'm, I'm writing a show for them that I have, that I should have started already, but I have it. Um, <laughs> You're just waiting for inspiration. That's what it that's, is. Right. Um but the thing, you don't. If you don't give me a deadline, it you know, just doesn't. It just, yeah. it, it's, it's gonna happen, but it's not gonna happen in two weeks. So, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna start on it next week. I promise. Um, <laughs> and then the other says, um, nothing gets done. What is it? Nothing gets done until the last minute, or you know, there's nothing like, there's no motivation like a deadline, or you know, something like that. Right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I already sent them like the outline. I know the story. I just haven't sat down and written it. Um, (laughs) And I'm not sure that I should have said that in case they listen to this. Um, (laughs) They're going to be like, you haven't even started? I'm going to be like, no, I was kidding. I was kidding. I was playing. (laughs) This was recorded three months ago. Yeah, it was. We don't record and then like put out that first first day like no 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 it's you're good this was recorded in in january (laughs) (laughs) we're not sure how we were so deep in the pandemic at that point but weird (laughs) weird things yeah it's the twin time travelers podcast is what yes that would be amazing (laughs) new podcast idea okay right (laughs) (laughs) uh one of the shows that uh you mentioned when you first sent an email asking about the podcast uh, is very relevant for the time, but you didn't didn't start it writing it in the middle of a pandemic when especially yeah. all the other stuff besides pandemic is going on. Uh, Liberty Bleeding, which I brought up in the beginning. Yeah. Can you tell us? Uh, yeah. You're you're the one in charge of this, so can you tell us more about this one, or should we be waiting? Well, yeah, I can announce? I can tell you about it because it's I don't have anyone over my head about it. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, you know I've always since I kind of fell in love with theater, um, I fell in love with musicals, um, but I never really thought I could write one. I'm not a trained musician. Um, I have a laptop and a and a little keyboard, and and that's what I kind of that's my station. Um, and, but I kind of got the idea to write a musical. I was performing in a show and I was like, I could do this, um, which is just the dumbest thing. Don't ever do that. Don't ever be like, oh, I'm doing this thing that professionals did so I can totally do it. Uh, um, Twin and I started a podcast with no knowledge of podcast recording, <laughs> editing, anything. We were just like, right. hey, we know people. Let's talk to them. <laughs> right. And so I was kind of like, well, let me do this. And so I, I started reaching out to to musicians and I was like, hey, I have these ideas. Would you like to collaborate? And all of them either said no, um, no, thank you. Or they wanted to be paid off the jump. And I was like, dude, I'm not even getting paid. Um, <laughs> calm down. Um, 
or they wanted just to kind of it be theirs. And it was just a whole bunch of things where they never got back to me at all, or they said they were interested and then I never heard from them again and they kind of disappeared into the abyss. Um, and so I kind of, I just gave up. I was like, you know what, this isn't, I can't do it. This is clearly a sign from the universe saying, don't do it. Nobody wants to do it with you. Give it up. And so I put it in a drawer and and I kind of moved on from it. Um, and then I was, I, I was laying in bed one night and I sat up in bed. I jumped up. It was kind of, it was like straight out of a movie. I jumped up in bed. I was, I was sweating. Um, I don't even remember what time it was. It was probably like 3 a.m. or 5 a.m. And I said out loud, oh my God, I have to write it myself. And then I got started. And that was simply because something in me, my better judgment said, these people aren't telling you no, because it's not a good idea. And they're not telling you no because they think it's it'll fail or anything. They're probably telling you no because it's not their story. It's not the story that they can tell. It's not a story they're necessarily interested in telling because they have no, again, they have no connection to it. You do. Only you can tell your story. Only you can write this. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take a while. You got to go and study some more and learn some more about how to do this stuff. Um, but, but no one's going to do it with you, but you, and you can either give up like you have and say, Oh, no one wants to do it with me. So I'm not going to do it at all. Or you can say, you know, I have to do it. And I have to tell the story because I mean, those are the stories that you do have to tell are the ones that won't leave you alone. They're the ones that wake you up in the middle of the night. They're the ones that you're trying to like eat dinner and watch Netflix. And they're like, you know, you could be writing me right now. Like, <laughs> why are you like, watching like, TV? Yeah. And they're like <laughs> tapping you on the shoulder and they're like, come on, you've been binging for six hours. Let's finish the song. Stop eating chips. And you're like, fine. And, um, and so, yeah. I've just kind of been writing that for a while, and then I've just been pursuing that. Um, I finished a first draft of it, which is exactly that, a first draft. And um, and again, you know, I've, I'm pretty busy at the moment, so it's kind of just sitting in first draft mode um, until something further happens. And, um, and so, yeah, that'll probably be done in about 10 years. And... Um, <laughs> And because of how long things like this take place, like straight plays don't take that long because it's just really just people talking and you don't really have to put that much extra effort into it beyond that, um, except once it kind of passes on into, into different stages, which doesn't have much to do with me. Um, but this is kind of like, you know, you have to write the music, you have to write the lyrics, you have to write the stuff in between. Um, then you have to pass it on to someone and find someone who's willing to take your strange, not quite good music and orchestrate it and help you arrange it and say, okay, this will sound better with this instrument and let's change mm -hmm. this key. Um, and, and then find performers who are willing to listen to your awful demos and be like, I can make this sound good. Um, and, and so it's a whole process. And then there's rewriting and, and, making the story tighter and and 
adding character. I've added so many characters that I did not plan on, but it's like, oh, well, they talk about this character, but maybe he'd be better if he actually had a place in the story. And then so, and then it's like, well, this character doesn't really do anything except in this one scene. So let's take them out and let's make this one more important and let's change the setting. And man, let's rewrite this song now because now this character has a change in attitude and it doesn't make sense for her to sing this song because it's an angry song and she's sad. So why would she sing this song? But I don't want to <laughs> cut the song because I like this song. So let me give it to this guy because he's mad right now. But the lyrics <laughs> don't make sense. If he's singing it, it only makes sense if she sings it, and I gotta change the lyrics so that it fits what he's singing. And then it's like, but it's a rock song, and it's no other rock songs in the show. So do I have to cut it now? Do I have to re- write in a musical? It's like having a long mental breakdown um, <laughs> because it's just you, and you're just like playing your keyboard, and you're just like using you know software and your computer, and you're like it's a song. I don't know. And then you give it to people, and they're like, yeah, it's good, and you're like. Are you just saying that because it's good? Are you saying it because you're my friend? But then you don't want to give it to (laughs) other people because if they say it's not good, then you really know it's not good. Or do you? Maybe they just don't get it. And it's it's they should have like a special they should have a special floor on the psych unit um, for theater writers. Um, (laughs) Or musicians. Yeah. Yeah. And we just either like we're on year six of the show and it's still not done. What is an act two? What is, what is a minuet? What is, why do, what do I need an, on, I spent a whole week like, do I need an ensemble? They don't really have a place, but it'd be cool. But like, would they dance or would they just walk around? If they dance, would it be confusing? Would it make sense? <laughs> or do I only need a small cast? It would cost less if it's a small cast. True, but, true. But, but then more people's families would come see it if it's a bigger cast. So we can act <laughs> like people are interested. And so it's just all these things. And you talk to theater people and they're like, um, it's cool, but it's not like exactly what, what theater shows are like. And you're like, but I thought that was the point. But then you're like, does that mean no one cares about it? And it's just a long, I'm on six different medications and it's all right. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get through it. This wow. is- Seriously, things that I, so it's things that I haven't thought about, but what you're saying is you don't think about all those things when you write just straight plays. Like you don't, you don't think of there's going to be a full cast behind them or not. You just write the play. So why on musicals are you making it different? Just because of your, or what our conception of musicals are? Well, yes. And also because it's a completely different lane. Um, When you do a straight play, you're most likely not going to need people standing behind the actors repeating what they've already said well, in the play okay, yeah. or saying their thoughts. Um, <laughs> right. Like I've never gone to see a straight play and it's like, what are you doing? And then it's like 10 people behind them who are like, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> so giving you the backstory. Yeah. Giving you a backstory or something or, or moving around and, and dancing. And so it's just a completely different, I don't want to say it's a different field because it's in the same field, but it's a completely different ball game um, with musicals. And you have people singing, um, which is really tough. And you have to figure out, well, what is what the hell is a tenor and what do they sound like? And um, would this character be a tenor and or could I switch it? And they're not a tenor all the time. Um, and so it's just a lot more thought that goes into it and a lot more like um, 
who can sing and dance or who can sing mm-hmm. and show emotion at the same time. Whereas I think with straight plays is much more like, can you say the lines good? Um, can you get this across? Can you get the point across to an audience? Um, with musicals though, you can't just let anyone sing your songs. Um, mm-hmm. I'm never gonna, I, I love Les Mis, but no one's ever gonna put me in Les Mis. Um, <laughs> like, at all. Um, because it's just not written for my voice. And so you have to write for very specific things. And then it's a headache. But it's the best kind of headache. It is it's truly the most fun. Because you get to play everybody when you're writing songs. Um, you know, I remember when I, it's a song on the show that's like a gospel song. And I saw I was getting my Aretha on. And it's just... <laughs> It's just the absolute best, and and so I, I'm I'm happy with it now, and 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 I know that because I'm happy with this first kind of draft. That hopefully it will only get better as as I move along in the process. Um, but I'm not. I don't want to rush it because of that process. I'm not trying to say put this out right now. Um, I, I'm taking my time with it, and I know that these things take a long time. I've never seen any composer talk about their shows and say, "Yeah, it took two months to write, and then we put it on Broadway, no problem." Um, right, right. You know, minimum five years. So I'm just kind of riding the boat along and writing other things to stay sane and and still have things to do. And so that'll come out when it comes out, and. And I'm happy about it. And the subject matter, while it is relevant, um, unfortunately, I don't think that that relevancy is going to die out anytime soon, which is unfortunate. unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the people, because not everyone got a short little clip of what it right. was. What What is your this show about? Not your show. You have many of them. But uh, what is this current musical about? Yeah, well, Liberty Bleeding basically tells the story of a community's reaction or group of people's reaction to a, a young man of color being um, killed by the police, by a police officer, and kind of how different people react differently to the situation um, within this this tight community. And so, yeah, I, I didn't write it. I didn't watch the video of George Floyd and say, oh, I'm going to write a show surrounding these incidents. Um, I started writing it based on the incidents I saw 10 years ago and five years ago and two years ago. And these things that unfortunately have been commonplace in our culture and in our history and in our society. Um, and I just felt that a musical about it would be both unexpected and um, but also I think could be really powerful. I feel like music does something that that dialogue, simple dialogue does it. Music elevates um, the point to a different level. And I think that's why it's so many cultural musicals about moments in history that just hit us differently. I can't imagine what going to see Rent was like during the AIDS crisis and, and when that was kind of the pandemic going on and when people's friends and families were dropping dead every day from this, you know, disease. Um, and it was so many rumors going around about it and, and who could get it and who didn't and who originated it and all this stuff. Um, and so unfortunately, I I don't feel like a cure to the injustice is coming anytime soon. I feel like this is so deep rooted 
it's going to take a long time to get out of it, if that's even possible. Um, we've seen a lot of deaths and, and killings since then happen, um, just in the last few weeks and months. Um, which, you know, the last thing I want is for any of my shows that deal with these kind of subject matters to be relevant. Um, I'd love for them to be just about just that. I'd love for them to be about history because uh, history is something that happened and doesn't happen anymore. Um, but it's kind of our current situation. And so when I start shows like Liberty and like, you know, other shows that I've written that are about race relations and, and hate and injustice or shows like the one I'm writing for the um, theater company in New York, which deals with both race and, and sexual assault. Um, those are things that I don't want, you know, the story to reflect current times, but that's just, we don't have a choice and we can either turn a blind eye to it and say, God, I hope that ends soon. Or we can say, I'm going to tell a story about it because these people beyond the headlines and beyond the comment sections don't really get their stories told. And if they do, they're not always the protagonists of it. Um, they're usually the side say, characters. They're not the protagonist of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, their situation might be the subject matter, but them specifically and their family and their emotions um, and their pain isn't um, directly examined. And so if I can do that and bring not only awareness to the story, um, the stories, um, but bring a human eye to it that has nothing to do with politics and has nothing to do with the news and has nothing to do with squabbles between two sides of people that just focuses on a human like me or you, despite race, gender, sexuality, it's just a human story, then mm -hmm. that's what I'm going to do. I think that's really important because like you said, when you first got into theater or anything, like you studied it, you looked at the background, you read more about it. And uh, Hamilton just came out on Disney Plus. So everyone in the theater world has now watched it and has it memorized. But because of that, how many people are Googling who was Eliza? What actually happened between these people? What else was going on in this time? Like, it opens their eyes to actually want to learn more and be more educated about the subject, which, if people were more educated about a lot of things, it might be very different in this world. So I think that's very important that you're, you know, not just because of right now, but like you said, this has been going on for a long time, and a lot of people, like, they just don't teach it in school. They didn't... It, just doesn't get the publicity and the knowledge that it should have so that we can learn to stop it and see that these are just people. And yeah. So as much as it sucks, I think it's important that it actually gets out there so that people can learn about it. Like you said, you, you have a different perspective on it. It's your story, but it's yeah. also lots and lots of other people's story, but not everybody writes. So you need to get it right, out there. Exactly. <laughs> Right. And, and especially in times like these, when, you know, we all have our thing that we can use as quote unquote protest and we ha all have our thing that we can use to bring awareness. And for some people, that's politics. For some people, that's their wallets um, and being able to donate um, as much as they possibly can. Um, a lot of people, it's music and it's performance. Um, 
for me, it is my pen and my keyboard and my um, and my stories, and that's how I can use my voice, and that's how I can um, protest and and just keep these stories alive, um, because we have a great habit of moving on um, and leaving yeah. them in the history books and leaving them on the back burner, and so if I can be the guy like to 50 people or 20 people be like, Hey, Hey, this, this is still happening. These stories are still relevant. Um, these, this is still happening um, to people across the globe. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just kind of, it's a strange time. And it's a strange time because we have so many things stacking at once. Um, yes. It's like a never ending row of dominoes that no one has knocked down yet. Um, they just keep putting the dominoes up and you're like, stop, stop, stop with the dominoes. Um, <laughs> That's a great analogy. Yes, please yes, stop. <laughs> please stop. Just knock them down already. We want to be done. Um, we just keep having things happen and more tragedies just keep happening. Um, just so everybody. Um, like I always like I saw a thing like, don't you miss the Tiger King days of quarantine? <laughs> like like that was yeah, those early like March, March, April days when we were like, we'll get through this, guys. And now we're like, this is it. This is this is how it's gonna be. Gonna be stuck inside. This is our life now. Oh my God! Just put on your mask. Um, and <laughs> it's so true. So so yeah. It's just <laughs> so many things going on, and and you can react very different ways. My kind of immediate reaction to things like this is just to work and just do what I can. Again, I'm a workaholic, so my immediate reaction is don't sleep all day. I need to do something, um, and I need to do something that I enjoy doing to get through this without going insane. Um, yes. And so, yeah, I've just kind of been going at it as much as I can and bothering as many strangers like you guys as I, as I possibly can. Worked. I was like, oh, look, another person wants to be on the podcast. Excellent. Hey, twin. <laughs> but this has been so amazing. It's besides just learning about the process of being a playwright and how it works for you, because, you know, we could talk to 50 playwrights and it'll be different for each one. But just oh, learn- yeah. That is amazing, but then learning about where you're coming from and, and why you did it and what you're writing about now and why it's important to you is so interesting to listen about. And the whole musical aspect of it is interesting. Like I said, it's I just kind of assumed it was the same in people's brains to write like, oh, I'm writing a musical, I'm writing an opera, you know, but I never thought that there was so much more involved in, in musicals than operas, you know, like, is this character a tenor? Is this character a baritone? Yeah, like, those are kind of standards that you have. So like, how do you even consider that? It's so interesting. Uh, How, I asked earlier, but I don't know if we got a direct answer. How do people get a hold of you? Like I'm listening to the podcast and I'm like, oh dude, I want to be involved in that. Email, Facebook, Instagram, a webpage, anything, everything. If anyone does that, I will pay you a million dollars. Yes, we're going to be rich. Um, yeah, so I'm most easily accessible um, through email. I check my email incessantly nowadays. I'm just like, yep. does someone want to talk to me? <laughs> um, <laughs> someone love me, please. Um, so yeah, so you can reach me by email, which is chrisblackwrites at gmail.com. Um, I'm not afraid to say it publicly because if you send something I don't want, I'll just block you. Um, so that's Chris right, Black Rights, Chris without the H, Black without the C, because I passed English class. 
Um, and then <laughs> write spelled as it is at gmail.com. Um, and then my Instagram, which is just my name, Chris Eli Black. And you can also find my email. It's on the low link there. And those are where I'm most accessible because I spend most of my time on social media or on my email. Um, yep. So I will get back to you as soon as I possibly can, which was probably be within five minutes of you sending it. Um, so <laughs> I'm just like, yes, someone likes me. Ah, I'm like a kid when they used to pass, you know, in school, you pass the notes. Do you like me? Check yes or no. That's basically what I do. I'm like, hey, do you want to work with me? Check yes or no. Um, <laughs> and they're like, they just write in maybe. Um, like, oh, so, not an option. <laughs> no, God, maybe means no. Um, I used to hate maybes. That's, that's how you know you were getting rejected. Um, you want to go to the dance with me? Maybe. I'll have to see. It's like, she's not going to the dance with me. Um, she didn't even think about it before she said maybe. She, she sent it two polite. minutes after I sent it. She was just being polite. God, joke's on her. <laughs> uh, so, many. so, yeah, that's how you can hit me up. Childhood. <laughs> memories (laughs) childhood my whole life (laughs) i got married i don't worry about that part anymore he stuck with me so right twin didn't have a choice we're twins so she stuck with me it's a little easier that way (laughs) i tell my dog i paid for him he has to cuddle with me when i want to cuddle. i own you (laughs) (laughs) you be nice (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I paid for my dog. He has to cuddle with me. I mean, yeah. I think you can That's do that in very bad, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he also steps on me in the middle of the night when he wants attention. So I figure it's just payback. <laughs> exactly. I just, uh, I'm just waiting for like that, that one successful moment when I can like give an interview. I'm like to all the people who rejected me. What's up? Like, what's up, Cindy? Like, you, you, <laughs> like, what now? What now, Jessica? <laughs> I just made two hundred dollars. What now, Jessica? <laughs> a black box theater wants me. Actually, wish you could have had me instead of that lawyer. <laughs> so yeah, gotta start somewhere. <laughs> gotta start somewhere. Exactly. They'll all regret it one day. <laughs> How do you like me now by Toby Keith? That pretty much yeah. says. Exactly. So true. Now you Even just need every- like mullet from the 80s. You'll be set. <laughs> exactly. I'm just waiting to be like an extra on Law and Order, and I can just be like, ha. Everyone's <laughs> on Law and Order. It's very Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even want to be like a suspect or anything. I just want to be like the guy they question, like, He's like pushing stuff out of a moving truck, and they're like, "Hey, have you seen Anthony?" And the guy's like, "No, I don't even know Anthony. I just want to be that guy. I don't even know Anthony." And they're like, "All right, and like, <laughs> mom, mom, I'm on TV. Look, mom, look, 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 hurry up! I'm only on your two seconds. Come on, <laughs> I can pause it. We video. I can pause it. Did you see him on TV? No, who was he? He was the guy who said he hadn't seen Anthony. So yeah, I'm just waiting for that moment. <laughs> Uh, big ambitions. Very good. <laughs> uh, not not to like jump and wrap things up because it's excellent, but we're trying to stay to an hour because, you know, an hour is a long right. time for someone to listen to things. Uh, oh, yeah. We can just keep talking because it's so much fun. Yeah, we always go way over. Um, so we have a last question and we never warn people, which is 
it's going to be a joke for Twin and I now. Um, do you have any twin stories? Because we're just entertained by them. Don't have to relate to theater or writing or anything. Actually, have you ever written about twins? Probably not, because you don't. You're not one. So, like you said, it's not your story. Yeah, my I question just never written about twins because then I gotta find twins and gotta find good twins. Um, We're bad twins. Well, now I know good twins. <laughs> oh, <laughs> never mind. Never mind. I take it back. I immediately regretted that statement. Um, so. No, no, no. I'm. There's always the which one's the evil twin and which one's the good twin, and I think it goes back and forth. I have an idea, but I'm not going to tell it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, but the question is: Give you a year, and then we'll see what show comes out next, and then (laughs) exactly. But what is a kind of a twin story is is a guy I met in high school, and we're still good friends, really close friends. And I met him in high school, and we were like the same people like we dress the same we kind of look the same we <laughs> like the same things like it was really strange when I met him um and I'm not gonna say how I met him in high school because I wasn't doing something I should be talking about in public. <laughs> and, uh, I don't want this to be used against me in court and so I met him and I was just like hmm. I can he was just like and we were like, we're going to be cool. And he was like, yeah. Um, and we still are. And we like, like down to the shoes, like down to the hats and the shoes. We have the same kind of style um, and the same That's kind funny. of humor. And people like in high school, because we'd be hanging out and walking down the hall, they thought we were brothers. Um, to this day, people think we are related. And I just, I just don't even care to say no at this point. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. One of our dads did something really bad like 20 years ago and we just found each other. Yeah. And, and people usually just believe it. They're like, Oh, that's so sad. But I, but I'm glad that you guys have found each other. Um, So (laughs) yeah, that's the strangest thing. Um, But also we're like, we're very different people at the same time. Um, And we've kind of like switched places. Um, in high school, I was kind of like the in the background guy, and he was very the vocal guy. Like he was the voice, and I was the brain, um, and that was our whole operation. And then now, because we've gotten old, um, he has <laughs> like like he was the guy who was like, "I'm never settling down. I'm never doing any of that." He has settled down. He has. <laughs> two cats now like it's very (laughs) no (laughs) not the cats he has the cats he's done he's done he has the cats he walks them on a leash he walks his cats down the street on a leash he's done he he can't come back from it meanwhile in high school i was the guy who was like i just want everything to be settled down and i just want to plan and now i'm just like screw it let's let me just see what i can do um so 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 yeah, so we've kind of switched places. Um, the day I Stacey and I were yeah. talking the other day, like how we've switched, you know, back and forth from high school. But then, you know, all the time, every couple of years, I feel like we're just switching back and forth. So we consider it um, conservation of energy and mass and everything, like 
she, I think she started biting her nails, and then, like, as soon as she stopped, I started biting my nails, and if one of us gains weight, the other one loses weight, and it's just, right. it's a constant, like, trying to keep That's the balance thing. going. We're, we've always been, like, the same weight. Like, we're the same body. Like, I can wear his clothes. I can go live in his house. He can live in mine, and we would not have to come back to get our clothes. It's really strange. I don't know what <laughs> Oh, and that's what else. That's what else. I'm sorry. I'm I'm, t- I'm stretching this. No, this no, is no. my last thing. <laughs> I, I, we actually found out that we were kind of related. We ended up finding this out because my cousin's fiance, it's his cousin. And so when they get married, we will be actually related. So that's kind of the funny <laughs> wrap up of that story. That we, awesome. found, we, we found each other and we're like, man, we're basically related. And so, and and now soon, I guess, I don't know how long they've been engaged, but hopefully soon we will literally be family. And so I can take his money and say it's because we're family. (laughs) Now I don't need an excuse. Now it's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. That's so weird. Like your cousin's marrying his cousin. How, how small is the world? Yeah. And we were like, cause, cause she said the, the town she was from in Louisiana. And I was like, and it's not like a huge, it's not like New Orleans or anything, um, or a town in Texas, maybe. And it's a small town. I was like, do you know the people with these last names? She was like, I am those people with those last names. And I was like, no. And I like texted him. I was like, I was like, hey, what's your aunt's name? I was like, do you know? He was like, yeah, that's my aunt. I was like, what? <laughs> Plot twist. I was like, we're all connected. Um, Dude, so, that's so, so cool. Yeah, it was, it, it was cool, yeah. I love plot twists. <laughs> Such a plot twist. Especially good ones like that. That's excellent. Yeah. This season on. So, yeah. That <laughs> might be one of my favorite, like, twin, non-twin stories now. Yeah, that's, that's- excellent. Yeah. yeah. So um, now this is make sure my cousin doesn't get divorced. Now is all I have to do. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's, you know, we'll keep our very simple. <laughs> that's Wait. very easy. Still has to get married, though, you said. You should work on that yeah. first. I'm just going to harass him. Be like, just marry her. Marry her. He's going to be like, why do you want me to? I just want to be cousins. <laughs> I have to I complete have the cycle. I have my reason. I'm just going to tell all my cousins to marry people, like in families of people I know now, so I can be related to everybody I know. Damn. That could be, be scary. Like? The divorce That'd is. That'd be so scary. <laughs> someone gets a divorce and you're like no my life no. Like, how is this even affecting you because <laughs> i want everybody to be my family <laughs> that's so sweet though i think that's i want fun. my family too <laughs> we're out of siblings and cousins though so i know we run out of family members damn i was gonna ask a cousin to marry y'all's cousins it was it was all gonna be interconnected <laughs> Damn. Okay. We'll keep it in mind. Next generation. (laughs) (laughs) We're crazy. Okay. Uh, Thanks for being on the podcast and being crazy with us. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll see you in the, you know, what, sixth level of the psych ward one day. Oh, yeah. If this doesn't open back up soon, we're all going to be there. Crazy. Good one in New York. If you guys want to come hang out, it's really pretty. There's one in New York? Okay. You guys know yeah. why would we want to go to New York? You guys are as bad as uh, us in California. It's it's up in Westchester. Oh, okay, that's better. Yeah. I'm a bit up there. <laughs> yes, you have. It's outside of purchase. 
Oh, okay. Purchase is pretty. Yeah, we can go there. Yeah. <laughs> We're now planning our psych board, so it's going really well. <laughs> well, Chris, thank you so much for being on. Definitely going to get you. your email out there. I don't know if we're going to get that million dollars anytime soon, but you know, anything could help. You never know. Yeah, you never know. I mean, you're not going to get it anyway, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe your second million dollars. We'll hold you to the second million dollars once you get there. Sure. I'm just going to block you guys. I'm going to be like, oh, shoot, I got $2 million now. They're going to come asking. <laughs> if that's your only problem when you have $2 million, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. And hope hope you have thank a you guys. good rest of your time making your show, and we'll we'll watch for it. What you said like three oh, to awesome. five years. It'll be on it'll be on Disney Plus in ten years. Yes, we can get the song <laughs> stuck in our head to finally get Hamilton out of our heads. All right. <laughs> uh, Bye. Thank you. thank you so much. All right, thank you guys. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more, visit our website at twinstocktheater.podbean.com and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at Twinstock Theater. Title music, Dance Macabre, is provided by Kevin McLeod of IncomTech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.